0: Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Tuesday, February 28, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. No local teams played last night, so let's get right into the interview. I mentioned yesterday I would have a Kentucky guest, and I brought on Richard Skinner, the digital sports columnist and editor for Local12.com. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon, skinny. Uh, your first your first time here on the show, so I appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate you asking very much. Love talking college basketball.
0: Yeah, so let's talk Kentucky. They turned it around here recently. If you go to Bart Torvik, they are the fourth best team in the country uh, since February 10th. They've been playing incredible basketball here lately, and Skinny, they've finally turned it around. Uh, What do you think the biggest thing is here, just to get your overall thought on this turnaround, what do you think has been the biggest key to Kentucky's success here over the last couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, I think it's multi. You know, in Ken Palm, they've been rated pretty good in, in offense all year, but they've become super elite here of late. I think they're they're number two in Ken Palm in the last, like, two or three weeks on offense. And we'll talk about the the reasons why, perhaps, that is. On defense, I think it's as simple as, as they have – they haven't completely figured out how to have Oscar Chibwe guard the pick and roll, but they've given him more options where he's been blitzing ball screens a little bit more. Um, their drop coverage for him has been better. Their help where Jacob Toppin has kind of run to be a, at least a rim protector to show, hey, you can't roll it here. And then he's done a good job recovering back out. It's not perfect. You know, if you still look at them, Ken Palm metrically, they're still not very good defensively, but they're better of late. And back to the offensive side, I think it's as simple as two things. Cason Wallace, once he got the keys to the to, to control this team, he has just taken a huge step forward as a scorer, a passer, a creator, a big bucket getter when they need one. And then they've also moved Shibway out from behind the out from the bucket. He's no longer completely posting up, and it's kind of freed Cason Wallace to drive. It's given him a chance to run stuff through him through the elbow. And all of a sudden, when guys are backing off, he's making elbow jump shots. And now, when you come out and guard him, he goes around and makes layups. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So how much going back to the case and Wallace, uh, idea, how much of this now do you think is because severe wheelers not playing? He hasn't played since the Florida win missed those two losses, but now four straight wins without him. How much of it do you think has been because case and Wallace has just been as good as he is without having to worry about severe Wheeler.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I can't blame Cal for playing severe Wheeler. I mean, the guy was the all time. What was the assist leader at Georgia? You know, he's, he's an assist, uh, machine but he also kind of is very dribble heavy he doesn't he doesn't score at the rim because he's not big enough he does create and i think once they finally put it in case Wallace's hands without him having to look over his shoulder uh, he knew it was his team now he's built up a lot of minutes here lately paul big time minutes to where uh, i know people are wondering what's going to happen when severe wheeler comes back well he clearly comes off the bench but it's a nice guy to bring off the bench for 10, 12 minutes. Maybe at the end of the game, if you need an extra ball handler to come in. I think this is clearly now Cason Wallace's team. And late in his freshman year, he he certainly earned that the way he's played.
0: So how much of this do you think is true improvement, Skinny? Or do you look at this where you know they beat Tennessee, they, they sweep – tennessee on the season tennessee struggled to score florida they played without colin castleton you know and mississippi state's been up and down but they go down and they just absolutely destroy auburn and that was the one that really turned my attention on saturday where you know you could look at those last three wins you say well maybe this maybe that but you go down and and you you beat auburn that way at rupp um how how much belief do you have in this Kentucky team now, Skinny, as far as their tournament potential?
1: Yeah, I would have liked to have seen what they would have done with Castleton because he did give Shibway a lot of problems the first time that the two teams played, and, and Shibway has been bothered by length, but he's been bothered by length at the rim. So I, I am interested to see with him now playing a little bit more away from the basket, putting him in high ball screen stuff where he can pick and pop not pick and pop to three is pick and pop to the elbow or one stuff through him at the elbow and then make a big come out and either have to challenge him there where he can maybe go around. It also, like I said, it frees up drivers. I think it's helped Jacob Toppin uh, as, as a cutter to the bucket where he's cutting now and getting the pass and wants to finish at the rim. Well, guess what? There's not an extra defender now there to stop him because she not down there. I think your points are fair. Um, but I do think the way they are playing and in the way they beat Auburn, I think gives Kentucky fans has to give them hope. And it's just been such a weird season because there's been twice you kind of gave them up for dead after that crazy <laughs> South Carolina loss at home. And then after the loss at Georgia, it felt like, will this team even make the tournament. And now it's funny. I, I can make a case. I'm not going to try hard for this, Paul. Trust me. But I can make a case where they're on the same seed line as Tennessee almost. And that's insane because bracket matrix, Tennessee's a three, Kentucky's an eight. And that's probably right at the moment. But as of today in net, Kentucky's 20, Tennessee is three. That tells you Tennessee's better. Quad one, quad two, Kentucky's 11 and seven. Tennessee is nine and eight. Where Kentucky stumbles a little bit is the three and one in quad three is that ugly loss in quad four to South Carolina. Tennessee's unblemished there. But you put them together plus the sweep. I can't tell you if Kentucky's too far behind Tennessee at the moment, yet we both know that they are, by the way, the way the bracket, <laughs> uh, the bracket matrix shows it. So do you
0: think this is setting up for another Wichita State-type deal where they end up as an 8 or a 9 or, or maybe even a 7, and then they, you say to yourself, oh, man, I don't want to be that 1 or 2 seed?
1: Yeah, I, I think they're trending certainly more towards the 7 seed line, maybe to the 6, but boy, that would be a big ass to go from a month out of the tournament to really not being in to suddenly going to a six, although they're trending in that direction. But you're right. I mean, if they wind up on the 8-9 line where there's no clear cut, and they're not going to play Alabama, obviously, in the second round because of conference affiliation, I don't know if I'm Purdue, do I want to play them? I don't know if I'm Houston, if I want to play them. Pick your other one, see whoever that might be. Kansas, they've already played each other. And Kentucky, I don't think, it was at its best when it played Kansas. So, yeah, I, it, it does seem to sit up like that. But I do think the way they're playing, if they don't lose to Vandy on Wednesday night, if they go to Arkansas and one wanted Bud Walton to get another quad one, but I think they're trending towards the six line.
0: Yeah. I I very much agree with you on that. And the one thing I want to get your thought on, um, because I have a feeling you're going to have a strong thought on this, how much of this is attributed to Cal and how much of this is attributed to the players playing better now here lately?
1: I think it's both and, and, and Cal's stubbornness, I think prevented him from giving the ball to case and Wallace prevented him from, from, you know, taking she Wave from out from underneath the basket. And I think that stubbornness cost them to his credit, though, the little tweaks he's made. And we always talk about him making the tweak and the twinge and all those things around Christmas time. The fact that he has at least decided, right, we got to fix his ball screen defense or how we're covering it. And I think they've done a little bit. They're not perfect yet. And the fact again, that he was able to say, let's, let's move Oscar away from the bucket. It's allowed Chris Livingston to drive. Now it's allowed Jacob Toppin to drive. It's allowed Wallace to occasionally, they've been posting the, him on smaller guards um, which makes a lot of sense. And that's worked out pretty well. Uh, I, I am interested. Like I said, when severe Wheeler comes back, how much does he play the one with Wallace at the two and how much does Wallace still play the one 30 minutes a game? I got to think that's gotta be the case. I
0: what do you think success looks like now for Kentucky? Because obviously there were all these national championship final four type expectations at the beginning of the year. Those expectations came down to reality. Now then it was just can they get into the tournament? Now all of a sudden you're back again. It's been a roller coaster of a year. What does success look like now going into the last week of the regular season?
1: Yeah, it's got to be second weekend now at this point. And I say that even though I know they could still be an eight seed or a nine seed, which means they've got to upset a one seed. But I think that's a fair expectation now. I I think it would be awful disappointing at this point if they got in and lost the first round game. And I know that shouldn't be the bar for Kentucky basketball, but you also have to sometimes temper your enthusiasm. But I I think second weekend now is a fair point because I, I do think, especially if they get to the seven seed line, None of the two scare me. I mean, UCLA is on that two line at the moment and Kentucky couldn't have played worse in in the loss to UCLA on the neutral floor. So uh, yeah, I I think second weekend's a fair expectation beyond that's probably gravy.
0: Yeah. I I'm with you there because it feels like at this point when, when you get into the tournament and who knows how the bracket breaks, but at this point with Kentucky where it's just, you know they're going to get in because barring anything crazy down the stretch here, they, you know, they, they, they're probably going to get in, I guess, barring a landmine right here against Vanderbilt. But but even at that point, don't you think even, even, don't you think they've done enough now? Don't you think they're a lot? I I
1: don't think it, and especially if you start to look down at that nine, 10, 11 seed line, you're like, no, Kentucky has accomplished far more than those teams. So yeah, I don't, I think right now their basement is probably a ten. If if the landmine happens against Vandy and then they lose in Bud Walton and then they get bumped their very first game of the SEC tournament, I, I just don't see that taking place.
0: Yeah, I don't see it happening either. But I'm just saying, I, I don't see, I don't even see this team going to Dayton anymore. Even if no, even if they were to correct. go zero three,
1: correct. Um, I, I think I think they salted a bit away, probably with that Tennessee win at home, and then accentuated by going to Florida to Florida, beating Mississippi state, obviously on the road. And then what they did Saturday. I mean, they've, they've clearly not put themselves into it. Now it's a matter of moving up the ceiling line.
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll rephrase. And this is the last thing I'll ask you. Yep. Uh, the, the, the expectations, you know, we talked about what they were before the year now where they are now. What do you think personally haven't watched as, as much of this team as you have? What do you think, um, this team is, is this sustainable? Is what they are doing right now sustainable enough to the point where you would be surprised or shocked if this team made the final four? Is it
1: wouldn't that- be shocking no, Yeah, it wouldn't be shocking though, no, because you have a, a point guard who's grown up and, and now he's played 30 games, or will have played 30 games, and he's done better as the season went along. Livingston got better by leaps and bounds. The Jacob Toppin of today versus the Jacob Toppin in November, it might as well be Obi Toppin today and Jacob Toppin back in November. That's how good he's been, and Shibwe has had his inconsistencies, but now he feels very more comfortable, you know, being away from the bucket and scoring there and and doing some of those things, and he just got C.J. Frederick back to add some depth, and you're probably going to get Wheeler back to add some depth, and I think that's going to help, so Final Four wouldn't be shocking i don't think they're going to get there but no i don't think it'd be shocking yeah
0: all right skinny well i appreciate you coming on and and taking the time to talk this afternoon and hey depending on how far kentucky goes maybe we have you back on again in a week or two
1: awesome would enjoy very much thanks paul
0: dayton is at home tonight as double digit favorites against la salle this is dayton's final home game of the season and they're trying to keep pace for first place in the a10 this game tips at seven Miami looks to win their fourth game in a row with a 7 p.m. game at Western Michigan. The Redhawks are fighting for that eighth and final spot in the MAC tournament, and they're tied with Eastern Michigan and Central Michigan for that spot right now. Miami beat Western Michigan by seven on February 7th. Wright State hosts Green Bay at the Nutter Center in the first round of the Horizon League tournament at seven. The Raiders swept Green Bay this year, winning by over 30 in both regular season matchups. Louisville hosts Virginia Tech at 9 at the Yum Center. This is Louisville's last home game of the year, and it's their only regular season meeting against the Hokies. Time to go around the country, and I'm still getting over how good this weekend was. I went back and listened to yesterday's show and realized I didn't even talk about the Michigan State-Iowa game on Saturday, where Iowa trailed by 13 with 1.34 to go and by 10 with 40 seconds to go. They came all the way back to tie it, then win it in overtime. Last night, there were only three big games. North Carolina survived a late scare from Florida State, and the Tar Heels won by 11. West Virginia rallied late to beat Iowa State 72-69, to and Baylor beat Oklahoma State by 6 on the road in Stillwater. Tonight, it's a better slate. Number 6, Marquette, is at Butler at 630, and if the Golden Eagles win, they seal up the Big East outright. I did say Marquette was number six in the rankings. Xavier came in at number 19 in Monday's AP poll. That's down three spots from number 16. Providence did not move. They remain number 20. So Wednesday night's game at the Amp is a top 20 matchup between number 19 Xavier and number 20 Providence. Going back to tonight, St. Louis is at VCU in a big A-10 game. Clemson is at Virginia as the Cavaliers try to get back on track. Iowa is at Indiana at 7. Villanova plays at Seton Hall at 8.30. And San Diego State is at Boise State in a fun Mountain West game at 9. As far as conference tournaments go, the Sun Belt, the Horizon, and the Patriot League all get started tonight. You've heard me talk about the Horizon League all season with Nku and Wright State, and I'll have Rick Browing on Thursday's show to talk more about it as we get into the quarterfinal round. The Sun Belt features a one-seeded Southern Miss team that shockingly won the conference regular season after being about 200 to one to win the conference in the preseason. Marshall is the betting favorite, with James Madison right behind. In the Patriot League, Colgate is a heavy favorite to win the tournament. They only took one loss during conference play and had a 17-1 conference record. Navy and Lehigh were tied for second in the Patriot League with six more losses than Colgate at 11-7. Paul's Pick of the Day, presented by Betfred Sportsbook, won for the fifth time in the last six days on Monday night with West Virginia winning outright as a four-point underdog on the road at Iowa State. Tonight... I'll roll with the Wildcats. I'll take Villanova minus one and a half at Seton Hall. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow for March 1st. March, it's almost here.